You know how there are these special people who come into your life at a particular moment and they change everything. There are people who spoke to you at a critical time and they shaped your journey. Teachers, coaches, mentors, authors. It can be anyone. And I've been blessed on my journey to have my share of these wonderful people. And one of them was an author, C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, and the, the best known of those is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Anyway, in lower elementary school, these were my favorite books. Loved them. And I felt so clever that I saw the allegories that C.S. Lewis makes in each one, especially some of the lesser known books. I figured out that Prince Caspian was about the Reformation. Ooh. Third grade Aaron thought he was pretty clever. Anyway, I became a C.S. Lewis fan until we had a little falling out a few years ago. People come into your life and they fill roles. And I think that these people are often gifts of the Holy Spirit. People who help us grow. People who guide us on the journey. In his day, Jesus was certainly a person like that. From the very beginning, Jesus was recognized as the new Moses, the, the new teacher. King Herod was the new Pharaoh, and Jesus was leading his people into a new way of life. Think about the parallels in their stories. Both Pharaoh and Herod sought to kill Moses and Jesus as small children. And both of them are saved by clever parents being guided by God. Both Jesus and Moses go up a mountain, Moses to pronounce blessings and commandments on the people of Israel before they enter the, the land of milk and honey. And Jesus to pronounce blessings and commandments on the poor, those who mourn, those who are hungry, and those who are oppressed by the Roman occupation. Particularly in Matthew's story of Jesus' life, there is a clear comparison between Moses and Jesus as teachers. And Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is his proclamation of blessings as a result of following God's way. As he was teaching on that mountain. Jesus says that he loves the law of Moses and considers that his teaching fulfills the law of Moses. Jesus teaches specifically about murder, adultery, false witness, all the stuff in the Ten Commandments, and then gets into issues like divorce, vengeance, love of neighbor, prayer, fasting, and dealing with money. 
then near the end of the sermon, Jesus restates what we know as the golden rule, the foundation on, on which all the commandments, and it was also found in the law of Moses. You should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. And right as Jesus finished his sermon, the gospel writer goes on to say, when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them like someone with authority and not like their legal experts. One thing that's kind of unique about Jesus is that he didn't fall back on citing his teachers or scholarly evidence. Jesus was a God-ordained rabbi who was renewing and reinterpreting the law, the Torah, in his time. As a rabbi, a teacher, Jesus was challenging and inventive. His teaching has influenced people for a couple thousand years. Gandhi, a Hindu, once said, I saw that the Sermon on the Mount was the whole of Christianity for those who wanted to live a Christian life. It is that sermon which has endeared Jesus to me. Wow. Now, outside of that sermon, though, Jesus often talked with parables, which are, I'm going to call them mini-mysteries. Jesus would say things like this one. The kingdom of heaven is like a yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. What? What does that even mean? So back in the day, I went on a quest to solve all of these mini-mysteries. I thought that what we would do in seminary in biblical studies that would do it. I would get the Rosetta Stone, which would have all of the answers to these mini-mysteries, and I could learn that, and then I could teach those. And just like clever little third-grade Aaron figured out the allegory of C.S. Lewis's Narnia books, big boy Aaron, he was going to figure out all these little mini-mysteries. That made sense to me at the time. There is a trap, though. Either-or thinking. Absolutes. The temptation to reduce the world into binaries. C.S. Lewis was big on trying to separate everything into either-or. Now, I loved him for the Narnia books. But Jesus, to him, could have to have one label. He could either be God or nothing. He wrote at it at length and said, but let us not come to any patronizing nonsense about Jesus being a great teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. To Lewis, Jesus had to be the son of God or else Jesus was a madman or something worse. It's that either or. What Jesus' parables have taught me is that God leaves a lot open to us. God is experienced in diversity, and there aren't always easy right and wrong answers. 
C.S. Lewis, as much as I love and respect him, was a broken and beautiful binary thinker. I think Jesus was a better teacher, one who could open us up to deeper truth. So let's you and I try this out with a well-known simple parable. Here it is. Jesus told this parable to certain people who had convinced themselves that they were righteous and who looked on everyone else with disgust. Two people went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed about himself with these words. God, I thank you that I'm not like everyone else, crooks, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything I receive. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even lift his eyes to look toward heaven. Rather, he struck his chest and said, God, show mercy to me, a sinner. I tell you, this person went down to his home justified rather than the Pharisee. All who lift themselves up will be brought low, and those who make themselves low will be lifted up. Easy peasy. Don't need a graduate school education to crack that code. So... Who does God love in this story? Who does God love? Is it okay to disregard the Pharisee? To recognize that the code that Pharisees or the rich are always the bad guys in Jesus' parables. Is it that simple? Is this parable designed to get you to think that you're not like everyone else. You get it. You cracked the code. Just like the Pharisee. Could God love and accept both the Pharisee and the tax collector as broken and beautiful? To love the Pharisee as a faithful, but a little full of himself, follower, and the tax collector as a cheater in recovery. Could there be more, more than one meaning to this parable? Could instead of an either-or response to this parable be a both-and? Could the answer that you have to this mini-mystery be different than mine? Because the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us different things at this moment. Is my job to give you the correct answer to the parable or to encourage you to dig into it and discover what God is speaking to you? As long as I can remember, Jesus has been my teacher. I came to realize that the whole point of a parable is to disturb and perplex us, to shake up all the easy answers, all without providing an easy or simple moral just to fall back on. That's not how parables work. And I came to realize that my job isn't to give you the correct dogmatic answer, but to help you go deeper into the question. Even if that makes us both a little uncomfortable even if that forces us to face our own arrogance, our own greed, 
or our own racism. Jesus, the teacher, comes to us at different points in our life in different ways. And sometimes we need comfort. We need to feel validated because we're quite clever. Sometimes we need to be challenged because we've started to think that we've got it all figured out. Jesus, like all great teachers, instructs us and frees us to live in a way of wisdom, not knowledge, wisdom, to pursue justice with compassion. And I hope as we continue our walk together in Christian love, that we are always open to new light and new inspiration from our still speaking God. You pray with me. Teach me, Jesus. Guide me on this life's journey to grow into the best version of myself. Yet, accept me, accept all of us as the broken and beautiful people we are, both clever and confused, with the same heart that was in you, Christ Jesus, in us. Amen.